This is an Equity Mates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Talk money to me. Welcome to Talk Money to Me. I'm Candace Burke. And I'm Felicity Thomas. And this is your Need to Know Wealth podcast, where we make the complex simple. Now, Talk Money to Me is a podcast where we would draw on our expertise and experience to help educate you on all aspects of your financial landscape. But before we get into today's episode, you guessed it, here comes the legal disclaimer. So even though we are registered financial advisors, please note that this podcast and the content discussed does not constitute as financial advice, nor is it a financial product. The content on this podcast is general in nature, and you should seek professional advice before making any financial decisions. So today, Felicity, it's our need to know episode, and we're going to be talking about pre-IPO investing. And the last time we explored the difference between early stage and late stage investing, so to understand exactly what pre-IPO investing is, Candice, What's an IPO? Well, an IPO stands for Initial Public Offering, and it refers to the process of offering shares of a private business to the public market. Companies, therefore, seek certain requirements set out by the exchanges, you know, in order to hold their IPO and join the public market. IPOs provide companies with an opportunity to obtain capital by offering shares to the primary market. Companies, therefore, need to hire investment banks, you know, such as UBS, Credit Suisse, Shoring Partners, where we work, in order to market, gauge the demand, set the IPO price, set the date, set the valuation. They are your broker in the IPO. So the IPO is often seen as an exit strategy for companies, you know, early founders and early investors to realize their full profit from once they locked in and that private business. Recent IPOs which come to my mind, one is Airbnb, that listed for $35 billion back in December of 2020, which actually was delayed a little bit because of the pandemic. And, you know, there was a lot of, you know, is it going to go well? How's it going to go day one? Also, not great timing, right? Because, you know, we weren't really able to move around that much. No, we weren't. So that's the other thing is companies need to think, is this the right time to list? Should we push it back? Should we not? So there's a lot that you need to navigate when it comes to an IPO. Uh, and the, But now looking at Airbnb, you know, it's it's well and truly well up above IPO price. Except we still can't move around. <laughs> we can't move around. That day will come one day soon. Krispy Kreme Donuts, you know, another recent IPO, more recently in July. That IPO actually was overhyped, in my opinion. It actually has really been trading down since IPO price. And then literally in the last two, three days, the share price is gone gangbusters. So it's important to look for day one IPO because not necessarily will every investor go, I'm going to get a pop day one. On the flip side, an Australian business you're probably more familiar with, best and less, that came to the Australian market for $2.16 per share back in July. Market cap was around $330 million, And day one, 
that share price popped 11%. I think because Australia was in lockdown at the time, you know, best and less is known as value apparel. They have a lot of online sales. And I think the business was a little bit undervalued and a little bit underloved. But when you look at the P&L, you know, it was offering really attractive metrics. So makes sense why that IPO was a big day one trading. Yeah. And I think, you know, investors at the moment are wanting to put their cash in the market. So, you know, it's very hot. I think before you invest or consider investing into an IPO, it's very important first to do your homework. Very much so. So going back to the investment bankers, that's their job to list the IPO. One of the roles that the company has to play here is they have to engage legal advice in order to write a legal document called a prospectus. This prospectus initially kind of sets out your roadmap for what the company has done to date, what the future looks like. So, you know, reading the prospectus, you're going to understand the business, you're going to understand the risks, you're going to look at the company management and who are the key stakeholders. Does management have skin in the game? That's often something that you and I look for always, Felicity. You know, why are they IPOing? Why do they need capital? What are they going to do with this cash? Understand the capital structure now understand the P&L now and the balance sheet now and what it's going to look like in the future. And then you come down to the valuation. Do you think this is the right price to pay for this company? So now we know exactly what an IPO is. Felicity, tell us more about the ins and outs when it comes to pre-IPO investing. So I think with pre-IPO investing, it's best to explain with an example. So we saw Bumble IPO back in February 2021, which closed up 63% on its first day of trading. But imagine actually being invested before the IPO listing and how much return on investment you could earn. That's why for our clients, investing at pre-IPO stage, which usually occurs 12 to 24 months out from IPO, is one of the best ways to capture as much return as possible. Now, pre-IPOs offer exposure to private companies that plan to go public. But it differs in that you're still investing in a private company, not one that's just become public. In fact, there's actually no guarantee that a pre-IPO will ever go public. Now, since more and more companies are choosing to stay private for longer, a pre-IPO company offers exclusive benefits and access to a broader range of investment opportunities, which we discussed in our previous episode. A pre-IPO placement is a sale of a large block of stock in a company in advance of its listing on a public exchange. The purchaser gets the shares at a discount from the IPO price. For the company, the placement is a way to raise funds and offset the risk that the IPO may not be as successful as it hoped. But of course, not all startups are widely successful or unsuccessful. I mean, in reality, a lot of these companies do fail. Pre-IPOs can carry significant risk and knowing how to assess pre-IPO companies and their associated investment offers is essential in making sure you make intelligent, calculated decisions. Now, to gain access to pre-IPO deals, you usually need to be a sophisticated or professional investor, and usually the minimum threshold is $250,000, for example. However, there are some fund managers like Perennial that have a private to public fund, and it's been so successful that they actually have three different series of this managed fund. Yeah, and also you can look at crowdfunding opportunities as well. So, everyday retail investors can get an opportunity to invest in exciting pre-IPO deals that way as well. I think so. And I think you can do a minimum of about $10,000. There's a company called Equity Zen, um, which allows you to do that, which is quite quite interesting. Klein is on there. Yeah. So let's talk about 
What's an example of a pre-IPO investment? Okay, so a familiar household name we all know is Alibaba. It's the e-commerce giant based in China. Now, they first announced it'd be listed on the New York Stock Exchange as Baba in September in 2014. Now, ahead of their public debut, Alibaba opened up a pre-IPO placement for large funds and wealthy private investors. One such investor was Ozzy Amanat, a venture capitalist based in Singapore. He purchased a block of $35 million pre-IPO shares at a price below $60 per share. And then he allocated the shares among investors who had ties to his fund, which is called the K2 Global Fund. Now, its first day of trading public, Barber closed just below $90 per share. So day one trading, the fund was up 50% on that investment. Now, more recently, Barber has gone from strength to strength and is trading at around $157 per share, which we would consider quite a good price for Alibaba. Now, in a moment, we'll talk about the red flags to look out for when it comes to pre-IPO investing. Let's first hear from our sponsors. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. So now we've learned more about the ins and outs of pre-IPO investing, I want to now discuss the potential red flags that we need to look out for. Some major red flags include unregistered securities, and a lack of liquidity. So what do I mean by that? The main difference between a pre-IPO investment and an IPO is the ability to trade shares freely on the public market. Naturally, pre-IPO shares are often unregistered and not given the same legal protections as the public markets. So for whatever reason, you change your mind about your investment, you need to sell your holding, or you're misled by management, you're going to face a challenging outcome. There's very little liquidity for pre-IPO shares. You can't just you know, sell your holding to another retail investor on the public market like we're all used to when you trade on the ASX, for example, and it becomes you know, more complicated to offload your shares to other private investors if the company's fortunes go bad. So ensuring your pre-IPO opportunity is close to an IPO or has that roadmap that we talked about is one key way to avoid this risk. Secondly, another red flag to look out for is when you can't see a clear path forward for the company to list. So as with any investment, there's no guarantee of a return at all. Pre-IPOs are no different. The investment thesis lies in the expectation that the company one day will go from private to public via the IPO. In some instances, this never eventuates, which leaves pre-IPO investors holding the bag thinking, what went wrong here? So here are some reasons why this might happen. Numerous hurdles present themselves when it comes to the IPO process, such as 
registration, approval from the stock exchange, and meeting a long list of financial documentation and criteria. The process may therefore be delayed by a regulatory oversight, such as what we saw with Ant Group IPO last year getting delayed. Without the public liquidity event of an IPO, the upside of any pre-IPO investment is heavily limited. Risks will always remain. Although you can do your due diligence, which I'm going to call DD from now on, you can do your DD to avoid a disaster. So what do I mean by that? You know, what is the company's plan to go public? Do they have one? How detailed is it? What's the timeline? Answering these types of questions may help you save a massive headache down the track. Another red flag I personally look out for are the use of funds and what current shareholders are selling down, if any, what position and why. Yeah, and I think this point is also closely linked to understanding and doing your due diligence on the management, board and main decision makers of the business. We always refer to the term who has skin in the game, like previously mentioned, and are these individuals willing to leave their capital invested into the business so that they're also incentivized to grow market share along with us fellow investors? Exactly. So the terms to look out for here are the drag and tag along clauses and escrow. Drag and tag along essentially means do the larger original and institutional investors and the smaller retail future investors, do these shareholders have the same rights to buy or sell more shares in the company? Meaning no one shareholder has preferential terms or treatments over another. Escrow refers to a shareholder having to hold their shares in a company, meaning that they can't buy more or sell any of their position until a certain period is met. So, for example, an ideal scenario that we look out for would be that the founders of the private business are buying more shares in the pre-IPO round at the same offered price as new investors like you and me, and that they're willing to lock in their positions in escrow for a period of time that extends beyond the IPO listing date. Definitely. And look, another red flag we often look out for is the valuation. Massive valuations not backed up by reality. Pre-IPOs can be great deals, but they can also be massively hyped. A business is worth what the market is prepared to pay, usually based on projected sales and profitability. Valuing businesses is a complex process. Although at the headline level, the valuation should really make a lot of sense to everyday investors. We'll cover how to value it a business in another episode. Now, no matter how good an idea is for a private company, it will struggle to gain investor support in the future if it cannot detail an effective business model that generates a profit after sufficiently scaling revenue. A recent example of this could be Nuix. The code is NXL on the ASX. Now, although it's a niche promising space being investigative analytics, the company is under investigation by ASIC due to concerns that Nuix prospectus contained false information, namely whether its financial forecasts were inflated. Now that's a flashing red flag. Definitely is. And for those that aren't aware, ASIC is really the financial regulators or the watchdog in our industry. So when they get involved, it's it's always a concern. It's never good news. It's never good news. And almost the saying is right, no news is good news. But Newlix is a good example of potentially paying an inflated IPO price and the valuation was just wrong from the get-go. You know, I think it was valued at something around the mid $5.50s at the IPO price and now it's currently trading around, you know, $2.65. So, ouch. 
So Felicity, there's been a lot of bad press surrounding the management of Nulix. Tell us more about this. And do you think it's been a contributing factor to the current share price weakness since it's really IPO'd? So the experience of a company's management is one of the best indicators of a successful or an unsuccessful IPO. The executive management, as well as the corporate advisors to complete the IPO process, are critical to the outcome of your investment. Take a closer look at the executive team, including their background and experience. If they have little experience running a company and no history of growing or completing the IPO process, it may be a red flag that the team might not be up for the job. It's very different running a private company to a public company. Questions that we often ask management include, does the board have listed company experience? Do any C-suite management members have listed company experience? How many years in the industry? For Newick specifically, it would be the ASIC investigation into the company's former CFO and their family on allegations of insider trading. There was also the share options debacle with the previous founder, where he thought that he was owed specific options at a certain price, and Newick said that he wasn't. There's also been two profit downgrades since listing. Yeah, so a few different areas of concern have come out. Another factor is the company also reported revenue of $85 million being down 40% on what they promised in the prospectus. So again, missing expectations, more bad news, all this leads to share price weakness really in the markets. However, it's not all clouds and rain. There's actually some good news. The CFO and the CEO have stepped down and they're currently doing a search internationally for a new CEO. And Macquarie Bank, as their corporate advisor, who helped list Newix, still has very high conviction in the business. It just needs a change of governance. So the final aspect I think investors should look out for is the alignment with the founders of the company, meaning is their motivation the same as ours? Do they want a liquidity event in the next three years? Right, because personally for me, I'm going to be less likely to invest in a pre-IPO business where I can't see an obvious path forward or if only a few years time the major shareholders are selling down or out. Major red flag for me personally. Companies running out of cash is one of the biggest risks in the private markets because you just don't get the luxury of liquidity. If a company's not already cash flow positive, you want to know before jumping in that the capital we're providing will allow the company to be one day cash flow positive and more secure in the future. For example, if the IPO window is delayed an extra six months, which we know that can happen, we saw Ant Group, you know, is their balance sheet solid enough to hold on or do they need to raise more capital to survive? While the lack of liquidity is undoubtedly one of the biggest risks when it comes to pre-IPO investing, it also presents the opportunity for additional reward. Valuations of unlisted private companies typically will attract a discount to their peers in the listed markets to help compensate for the lack of liquidity. Well, that's a wrap. We hope you learned something new about investing in pre-IPOs. As we've discussed, there are certain risks investors need to look out for, but if you do your DD on a company and there's a clear roadmap to listing on the stock exchange, pre-IPO investment opportunities can deliver solid return on investment. So with that in mind, we have an exciting interview planned with the very unique mining company, which recently underwent the pre-IPO process and is now undergoing the IPO process. If you'd like to get in contact with either Candice or I, all our details are in the show notes below. Until next time. Sayonara. Talk Money to Me is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. 
Equity Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Talk Money to Me are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Mates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equity Mates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media and the hosts of Talk Money to Me acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM.